Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27 this morning. The most powerful statement that the world has ever known and ever witnessed is the statement that Christ made when he rose up from the grave. Jesus' resurrection is, and his power is what we're going to look at this morning, the power of Christ's resurrection. There's two things that I want us to, to think about as we go into looking at his resurrection, is that Christ wants each of us to know this power personally. As Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's something that Christ wants each one of us to know and, and to long to know as Paul did. The power, this power, this resurrection power is a living hope that all believers have. And I'm going to mention this verse at the beginning here and near the end as well. But this is a verse that I've been personally memorizing. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And because he lives, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, every single person in this room, every single person in Shano, every single person in the world has hope through Jesus Christ. They, they can experience that hope because of his resurrection. Father, we look to you today, Lord, for, for your illumination in our lives, Lord, for you to illumine your word to us, and Lord, we just come as humble servants of yours, and we come to you for marching orders this morning. Lord, there is something uh, that to be said, uh, Lord, of, of a believer who has, has lost uh, Lord, touch with, with what you did for them. And Lord, I pray this morning that if there's any of that, Lord, that you would rekindle that passion for souls that we just sang about and rekindle that by looking at what you gloriously did for us, the glory of the empty tomb. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at it and, and looking at, at this passage now, uh, Matthew chapter 27, and then we'll go to John chapter 20. But hope... Uh, is a wonderful thing. That, that confident expectation, hope, in, in a general sense in this world, is something like, I hope my football team will win. If you're the Packers, they're probably not going to. But I hope my team will win. I have this uh, uncertainty. But in the Bible, when hope is mentioned, it is, a, it is often mentioned as a confident expectation that something is going to happen because he lives I have hope. I have a hope, a confident expectation that I will too rise again. And in the believer and in the disciples' life, going into this just shortly after the death of Jesus Christ, hope seemed absolutely lost. Jesus was buried now in a cold tomb, and his, his disciples seemed to have been left behind to pick up all the pieces. This, this Jesus who who these men and women have followed now for three years. Uh, with They've dedicated their entire lives to him. They, they felt crushed. They felt alone. They felt confused by Jesus' death. And, and they weren't remembering at that time the words that he, he clearly spoke to them, that he would rise again the third day. 
And as we begin looking at God's Word this morning, we're going to look at, at just what happened after Christ's death. We're going to look at Resurrection Day, and then we're going to practically look at what does that mean for every single believer? What does that mean for yours and my life today? So let's look at after, after Christ's death here. He was buried, and they weren't sure he was going to stay dead, so they set a watch around his tomb. Matthew chapter 27, look at verse 57 with me. And when even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in a rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. And the other Gospels let us know that uh, it was Joseph of Arimathea was one of the key disciples in his burial, but also Nicodemus, the one who was scared and came to Jesus by night. He truly found peace with God when, when he trusted Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. And then we come to verse 62. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that this deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say to the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, and make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And humanly, they thought that they had Jesus and his followers trapped. They would just get past those three days, and whatever was said about his resurrection, once it didn't come true, everyone would go back to the way it was. And, uh, and it, the fact was, it was true. Jesus Christ, everything he had said to this point, everything that was prophesied about Jesus Christ had come true to this point, how he would take on the sin of the world and the miracles that were even down on the cross when the darkness came in the middle of the day and that veil was rent. There was no question in that soldier's mind as he pierced the sight of Jesus that this truly was the Son of God. There was no question in his mind. But these chief priests are starting to fight, and they thought that they could hold Jesus somehow. Death cannot hold Jesus. Man cannot hold Jesus. Death couldn't hold him. Look at the beginning of the next chapter, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And these next four verses, as we're going to see in conjunction with John chapter 20, these next three verses in between when Mary's coming to the tomb and when she actually gets there, there's a little bit of a parenthesis here between verses 2 and 4. And they tell us what had already happened. Look at verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake 
and become as dead men. My mind goes directly to the, the words of the song, Christ arose. Vainly they watched his bed. V- Jesus, my Savior. Vainly they sealed the dead. Jesus, my Lord. Death cannot keep his prey. He, Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. And then the, the chorus says, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And that is, that is the great truth when it, comes to, when it comes to that. Christ was coming and he was rising in peace. That angel that came from heaven didn't have a flaming sword in his hand. He wasn't there to do battle. He was there to roll a great stone away. And the Lord Jesus came out. And he left those grave clothes there and he left that tomb empty. And it happened just as Jesus said it would. There was, there, was nothing, there was nothing that could now, at least in the, in the minds of those uh, soldiers, convince them otherwise that Jesus had not truly risen from the dead. Uh, but yet, those who plotted against Jesus, and even with this proof in their heart, still tried to turn people away from Jesus, still refused to believe and in verse 11 of chapter 28, they, they pay the soldiers to lie to the people. We'll look at verse 11 with me. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money as they, as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the, the Jews until this day. Something tells me that some of those soldiers later on probably got saved. They probably, and I can't say that for sure, but to, be, but to see that happen, to see the resurrection with your own eyes and to fall over as dead, that would leave a lasting impact. Now, why did they take the money? They took the money because if they didn't, it would be reported that their prisoner got free. And in Roman law, if your prisoner goes free, your head goes as well. And so they, they were in a bind here between themselves and the, and the Jewish uh, people, but my, I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they knew that it was true. It seemed like there was no option for them. But let's look at, let's look at resurrection day now. Let's look at what happened as Mary Magdalene and these other folks come to the tomb. Turn to John chapter 20 with me. John chapter 20. Resurrection had come at last, as Jesus said it would, but his disciples are all grieving at this time. They're not remembering the words of Christ. They're not remembering what he said. But yet, Mary finds the glory of the empty tomb. Look at verse 1 with me of John chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Just these first few words of, of, of chapter 1, uh, chapter 20, 
show forth God's grace to us. There were several other people with Mary, but John focuses in on the eyewitness account of one, Mary Magdalene. Who was she? Luke chapter 8 tells us that she was a lady that was healed by, by Jesus of seven devils. Of seven devils called out of her, and she was set free from that, that kind of uh, thing that plagued her. And what a day that must have been when she found the hope of Jesus Christ that way. Uh, how, how she f- found uh, complete freedom as, as those devils were called out of her. And now she's, she's coming to this tomb thinking that all hope is crushed, all hope is lost, until she hears the message of the angels. And I'm going to read a passage from Luke, uh, sorry, Mark, Matthew 28, and then we'll go back to John 20 here for a second. But the message of the angels was, uh, verse 5 of chapter 28, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples, for he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Now go back to John chapter 20 with me, and look at verse 2. It says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter. Now she's... She's running with this great message of joy. She's coming to tell these other disciples. And she cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, that's John, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, They have taken away the Lord from out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. It's almost like she didn't listen to the, to the message of the angels. She, the body's gone. And Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and came to the sepulcher, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. It's just kind of funny how John mentions that he outruns Peter. He was a lot faster, supposedly. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went, in not, uh, went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And I don't know what was so significant about those linen clothes, except that, that there was, they were, uh, some, some people say that they were in the same uh, place in which the body would have been, and it would have been impossible to leave them in such a neat array. And it, because when you take grave clothes off, you're unwinding it, and, and you'd be taken out. But the evidence of the grave clothes must have been enough, because in verse nine, uh, verse 8, it says, then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. Right there, without even seeing Jesus, the evidence of those grave clothes and remembering what Jesus said was enough for John, the, uh, the apostle John to believe. And he knew that Jesus Christ had, had risen from the dead. But he says in verse 9, For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The Holy Spirit hadn't brought that back to their remembrance yet. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels sitting in white, uh, in white sitting, 
the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And throughout this entire chapter, we see, and we're not going to go through the entire chapter this morning, uh, just through verse 18, but we see the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, revealing, Jesus is about to reveal himself now, and the first one he reveals himself to is the one that he cast out seven devils from. He reveals himself to Mary Magdalene. This one who was so steeped in sin and, and now was going to be the first one to witness the view of the risen Savior. Look at verse 13. And they say, to her, uh, and they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. With all of the weeping that she had been doing, I don't know if her eyes were just full of tears. She didn't know what to do. All hope to her seemed lost. And then verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And I love this next verse because you get to see the great shepherd. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. All he has to say is her name. All he has to mention is her name. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus Christ, in his love and his voice, his sheep know his voice. And when he said that, he, and she heard her name, he, she sensed the love of the Savior, and she knew it was, there was hope once again. Verse 17, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the, other, the, the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and he had spoken these things unto her. And I can just imagine what that would have been like as she runs back and she busts in to the room and says, I have seen the Lord. I, I've seen him. You can be confident. And she came seeking a victim to anoint with all these other ladies, and she found a victor instead. She found a victorious Jesus Christ that he had defeated death. And what a testimony she had that they had hope again because of a resurrected Savior. And that's exactly what that means for each one of us. Christ's resurrection means that there is hope for all people. And we're going to look at that now. The third thing we'll look at this morning is the power of Christ's resurrection. What does it mean for us practically? I'm going to go through several other verses here as we close, but what does it mean for each one of us practically? We all have a lively hope that each one of us have, either because you've experienced it, you need it, or you need to share it. 1 Peter 1.3, I read it at the beginning there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, unto a lively hope. How, how did he do that? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is why we can come to a, a time like Christmas 
and have hope. That is why you can go to your coworker, to your friend, to your loved one, and tell them that what you need is Jesus, because Jesus is all the hope that we need. We have that lively hope. My question to you is, are we sharing that? Are we, or are, are, we, are we holding it back? You know, that is a light uh, that should be shining uh, brightly in, in this dark age. And Satan's not afraid uh, of light if he can keep people blinded to it or he can keep Christians from sharing it. Uh, we need to be sharing that lively hope. He conquered sin, death, and hell for you. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth unto me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Uh, we have a kid's song that, that's associated with that book, uh, that, that verse. Um, that's wonderful. I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus promises because of his resurrection, and we can be sure now, it can be a surety in our soul that because he raised and he, he kept his promise, that he will also keep the promise that we one day will rise again. We don't have to fear death. There's no fear in death. God, God conquered sin, death, and hell for you. He also satisfied the wrath of God that we rightfully deserved. We, talk about, we talked about mercy this morning. There was mercy shown to us because each one of us deserved hellfire. Each one of us deserved the full wrath of God, and God took that in our place. And in the Bible, especially, uh, just it's, it's used in one word. It's the word propitiation. That's a big word, but it means the wrath of God satisfied. And 1 John 2, 2, and he is, that's Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4, 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God satisfied fully God the Father's wrath and took on him so much so that as we talked about last week, that he had to turn his, his face away from his son while that wrath was, was consuming Jesus Christ. But through that, he made a way to enter into full union with God again. As it was... At creation, John fourteen six, the familiar verse, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Mark chapter 15, verse 38, And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when that happened, now we as people... If, if we come into union with God, we, we, we come to God and say, God, I, I, I can't get to heaven on my own. I need you, and I accept your gift of eternal life. Now we step into that holy of holies, and we can have forever with the Lord. Even though we're in this body of death, we can have full communion with God. And, and, and really, right now, we just have the earnest of our inheritance those who believe will have a full inheritance and a glorified body one day, but the Holy Spirit is the down payment, the earnest of that inheritance. Let me read you Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In whom ye also trusted, 
After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of, that, of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And you, my friend, as a saved individual this morning, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are to the praise of his glory. You are what he paid for. You are his purchased possession. And he's given you now a down payment of that promise in the Holy Spirit living within you and being able to, to, to commune with you fully as he wants to. As we close here this morning, I want us to reckon this truth in each one of our lives that because he lives, we have hope. Because he lives, we have hope not only for our lives, but for those that we share it with. And it needs to be, uh, as we saw even over in Turkey this morning, people are paying a price for that hope. People are, are praying and begging God for boldness to be able to share that hope with other people. We in this country right now, we have a freedom to share that hope. And yes, I know it's being challenged on many a, a level, a political level, on a, on a spiritual level, but we have hope and we have, we have an we have a open window that God has given to us to share the, the glory of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And he's given you an anchor that you can bank on. This morning, Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to read this in closing. Jesus Christ, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, in other words, with him, we can enter into that holy of holies. Whither the forerunner is for us entered. There's someone who went before us. Even Jesus made an high priest forever. And now he's standing on the, on the right hand of God, seated there, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. And Jesus Christ was that forerunner for each one of us. Jesus was victorious. But my question to you this morning is, have you tasted of that victory? Are you tasting of that victory, that hope that Jesus Christ gives to us? Not only to keep for ourselves, but to allow that to pass through to other people and to be that light that our community needs.